0: Hey everyone, what a great day for a podcast. Do we have a great country or what? Yes, our country has problems. But all countries have problems. But at the time of the forming of our nation during the American Revolution, things got pretty bad. Not just in the way the war was going, but in the political landscape of our founding fathers. Tensions were high between early patriots. Some said that in 1777, at the early phases of the fighting, Georgia's wartime president was murdered by poisoning. Yes or no, his death definitely had suspicious circumstances surrounding it, but no one could prove foul play. The wake of that incident washed over emotions, heated tempers, and created mistrust among Georgia's founding fathers. As a result, Two American patriots fought a duel in Savannah. One of them died, and one didn't. But today, we'll look at where the duel took place. By the way, you've heard of six degrees of separation? President Theodore Roosevelt, who was born 81 years later, has a link to these events and to this duel. I'm J.D. Bias. Welcome to History by GPS where you travel through history and culture, GPS location by GPS location. So click on your favorite map app and follow along. Ready? Here are the coordinates for today's spot. It is 32.077938 degrees by negative 81.082580 degrees now you're going to find that this location is in the middle of a grassy park on the east side of town but it is an important spot and here's the story behind it the president was a guy named Archibald Bullock a member of the Continental Congress and a veteran of the fight for freedom as an interesting note Bullock had to leave the meeting in the Continental Congress in Philadelphia and make a hasty trip to Georgia to help defend Savannah from an imminent British attack. If he had stayed in Pennsylvania he would have been Georgia's fourth signer of the Declaration of Independence. You remember the others Lyman Hall George Walton and Button Gwinnett. Also if Bullock had not died when he did one signer of the Declaration of Independence might have lived a little longer so, to clarify, Bullock was the first president and commander-in-chief of Georgia. That was in the temporary government. After his death, he was replaced by an ambitious and recent English immigrant, a guy named Button Gwinnett. The president's death and the suspicion surrounding it illuminate the power struggle that was taking place among the American rebel leadership factional game playing was debilitating the security of the revolution and the state and especially the city of savannah Gwinnett is often remembered as a mystery man and a man with a cloudy past a decade earlier when he emigrated from england he purchased st. Catharines island off of the south georgia coast his investment on his plantation there failed it left him up to his eyeballs in debt as they say So he was forced to sell his property. Then he turned to politics three years later, and the political winds pushed him into public office and a position in the newly formed Georgia Assembly. Okay, where the GPS coordinates take you will be a recently elevated section of lawn that is within a few feet of the spot where in 1777, Button Gwinnett fought a duel with a guy named Lachlan McIntosh. The rift between the Patriots was due to differing political opinions and the resultant insults that went with them. Gwinnett, a member of the Continental Congress, was a candidate for a position as Brigadier General for the 1st Regiment of the Continental Army. But Georgia's one-house General Assembly gave that position to McIntosh. See, Gwinnett rose to the office of Speaker of the Georgia Assembly, the top dog position. So after Bullock's death, he, Gwinnett, became the president. In taking office, he carried with him the belief that he was a wronged man. So Gwinnett started getting even with the people who opposed him. In his power quest, Gwinnett began purging his opponents from their positions in the assembly and in the military. He ordered McIntosh to march on a ill-conceived and ill-planned campaign to seal off the border from British Florida. I said ill-conceived. The expedition was a disaster. The debacle created shouts of accusations from both sides, both pointing blame at each other. So Gwinnett was set on using the failure to take over command of the military and oust McIntosh. But the stubborn Scots refused to be blamed and refused to give up his position. In the political chess game, Gwinnett attacked Lackland's brother, George McIntosh, and called him a traitor. Gwinnett charged that George had sold provisions to British ships, then promptly relieved Lackland of his command. Gwinnett did not know, nor did he look into, the fact that the traitor was a business partner who had detoured a cargo of rice to the British, all without George McIntosh's knowledge and Gwinnett had George hauled off to jail. Lachlan was furious. He knew his brother's loyalty to the American cause and called Gwinnett a scoundrel and a lying rascal. Now back then, those terms were a bit more incendiary than they are today. However, today we do still have a few scoundrels and lying rascals in Washington, D.C., or so I'm told. By the way, As I always say, I've researched this stuff for 30 years. This is my understanding and my interpretation on what happened. And I hear there are several other interpretations. So if you have an opinion, or if you just want to comment, please leave a note in the comment section just down below. Or if you're listening on a platform that doesn't have it, check out our show notes and other information on the website historybygps.com There are also photos and illustrations that go along with the story. So, Gwinnett, in his hot-headed way, challenged Lackland McIntosh to a duel. That action scored points for Gwinnett in the Georgia Congress, but others tried to talk him out of it. But he was determined to go on with the duel. Which, when you first look at the facts, it was a very dumb thing to do. Lackland McIntosh was a Scottish Highlander who, as a child, came over with the founder of Georgia, James Oglethorpe, after his clan had been recruited to protect against the Spanish. They settled down at Darien, Georgia. In fact, the Spanish captured his father, and Oglethorpe arranged for Lackland and George to be put in the care of Reverend George Whitfield at his Bethesda orphanage. But the independent Scottish boy didn't do too well in the orphanage. I mean, they were Scottish. Now, I can say that because my name, Bias, is a very Scottish name. So other Scots will understand, I'm sure. As I was saying, the brothers didn't get along with things at the orphanage. So they decided they would return to Scotland to fight with the Jacobite. Fortunately for them, Oglethorpe convinced them to stay in Georgia because the whole war was a fiasco for the Jacobite cause. To emphasize why a duel with Macintosh was a bad idea for Gwinnett, the Macintosh boys were warrior trained from their youth, and they were excellent marksmen. That fighting ability, along with Lackland's quick wit, helped him advance to the ranks of the local military units. His Scottish Highland honor would not allow him to be insulted by an English-born newcomer to the cause, Button Gwinnett, nor by any other man. As a result, the two men would duel to settle the argument and restore their honor. Hmm. What kind of guy has a name Button, anyway? Sounds to me like something you'd find in a lint trap of a clothes dryer. But that's my own bias kicking in. Okay, so now you're asking me, where does Teddy Roosevelt come into this story? That's coming up and you will see how and why he is very connected to this occasion. I promise. Okay, continuing. Several locations have been suggested as to where the fight took place. However, combining all the accounts by participants, historians, and recorded evidence, putting it all in one place, and that was Trustee's Garden, there on the edge of Savannah's eastern bluff where the GPS coordinates take you. And here's the evidence. That site, as described by historian and Savannah Mayor Thomas Gamble, had been long known as a favorite dueling ground for Savannahians, as well as for those across the river who wanted to avoid South Carolina law officials. It was located below the fort at Trustee's Garden. Put that below the fort in quotes. The location of the Winnett-McIntosh duel has been in dispute for over a century. The records indicate that the duel happened in a field owned by Royal Governor James Wright, east of the city. According to a map in the Georgia Historical Society Library, Wright owned many of the lots at Trustee's Garden that were along what is now named Randolph Street and, ironically, McIntosh Boulevard. And we have the testimony of Gwinnett's 2nd you know, the guy who hands them the gun and then backs up out of the line of fire. On that day, the guy's name was Charles Wells, the brother of the Sugar Party Liberty Boy, Andrew Elton Wells, that we talk about in another History by GPS episode. Charles stated that a crowd was gathering, so Gwinnett and McIntosh moved, quote, a little lower down the hill, end quote. That means it was close enough to town for a crowd of onlookers to gather and that it took place in a field with a slope. If you've been to Savannah, there are a few slopes in or near Savannah, and fewer that were owned by Governor James Wright. At the time of the duel, Royal Governor James Wright owned the residential parcel that has the coordinates that I gave you. Other accounts of the event say it was below the old fort. If you look on the map, the eastern wall of the fort that was there in 1777 was about where the current wall stands today. In combining the records and reports from historians Thomas Gamble, Hugh McCall, and Charles C. Jones, along with Charles Wells' testimony, the location points to Trustee's Garden. McCall wrote that it was on Governor Wright's land east of the city. That checks out. Jones said it was within the city limit, which ran across the marsh next to this location, another check, Wells said it was on a hillside. By the way, Hugh McCall was about 10 years old at the time of the duel, and his father fought in Savannah. So he may have had first-hand information. There's only one place that all those match up. That's the grassy knoll at Morris Park in Trustee's Garden hmm now that's interesting gunfire around grassy knolls in the south always seemed to be shrouded in mystery and they tend to change history too but anyway here's an interesting tidbit of history about this duel the distance between participants in most duels of that time would typically be 10 paces or more which separates the combatants by about 30 feet McIntosh insisted that eight or ten feet would be sufficient. The seconds stepped and marked that distance. Habersham then told the men to stand back to back, as was traditional. But McIntosh refused. He said, by no means, let us see what we are about. And Gwinnett agreed. So the men stood about ten feet apart. 10 feet apart! That is insane! The muzzles of their guns would only be about three and one half feet apart. Like I said, that's insane! The two men fired at almost the same time. Gwinnett fell to the ground with a wound above the knee and a broken thigh bone. McIntosh, though shot through the thigh muscle, stood still he was thinking that Gwinnett's wound was no worse off than his so he asked Gwinnett if he had had enough or if he wanted to try another round Gwinnett said now this is not a quote but today it would be something like yeah dude let's get it on well the seconds demanded that one round was enough then after the seconds helped Gwinnett get to his feet The two combatants shook hands. Wells later testified that both men behaved like gentlemen and men of honor. Now here's the question. If they were only ten feet apart, why weren't they both killed? They must have been very bad shots on that day, right? Well, one answer is that it was common practice in those days to attempt to wound your opponent rather than kill them. It was an act of bravery and honor, a macho show of manhood some might say. The fact that both men were struck in the thigh at ten feet indicates that they attempted to regain their honor without killing each other. Heck, if these guys wanted to kill each other, they'd both be dead. The protocol in dueling at that time was to stand with the pistol pointing upward. It would be hard for both men to lower their weapons and miss the intended target if it was in the upper chest or upper body. So it was a gentlemanly thing to wound your opponent. Now, here's my theory of how it might have happened. The second said that both men fired almost simultaneously. I suspect that Gwinnett fired first, hitting McIntosh in the thigh which made him flinch and miss his mark. Remember, he was an excellent marksman. And that spot was the flesh on the side of Gwinnett's leg. And Now, instead of hitting that and flinching, the ball was fired directly into the center of his leg, breaking his thigh. McIntosh healed in a few weeks, but Gwinnett didn't fare so well. You see, the weather was hot and muggy, and things were not very sanitary back then, especially musket balls. It was gangrene that did him in. As a political result, McIntosh was ostracized by many in Georgia's revolutionary leadership, so he was sent up north to let things cool off. They did. He was ordered to serve under General George Washington just in time for the deadly winter camp at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Ironically, today, the two men who were in the duel, they're buried just a few yards apart in Colonial Park Cemetery in the Historic District. So, did people still duel after that? Yes, similarly for the next century. Now, another irony, George Wells, you remember Gwinnett's second at the duel? He died a few days after Gwinnett, killed in a duel with McIntosh's good friend, Major James Jackson, who was known to be one of the greatest duelists and marksmen of that time, and he didn't aim for the thigh. Fort Jackson, just outside of Savannah, it's named for him. Another tragedy of the infighting of the Patriots was that the defenses around Savannah were incomplete and inadequate because of the factional friction. But we'll look into that other aspect in another episode. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. So what about Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt had a son that he named Archibald Bullock Roosevelt. you remember? Archibald Bullock, the former Commander-in-Chief of Georgia, who died under suspicious circumstances. Bullock was Theodore Roosevelt's great-great-grandfather. Cool trivia, huh? Cool indeed. So, if you didn't already know this story, now you know. Please remember to hit the follow button and then go to our website historybygps.com to find more. And you'll find our store where you can buy something. Help support the program. See you next time. Bye.